everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. I'm so excited that you're joining us today. Today I'm joined by Dr. Kyle Bowling, and we're going to be discussing the CTM band. Now you might remember the name Dr. Kyle Bowling because he was actually a guest on the podcast about two years ago where we discussed something similar. However, a lot can change in two years, and in two years' time, Dr. Bowling has developed a overwhelming amount of new evidence to support the CTM band, including the incorporation of musculoskeletal ultrasound to show its effect. That's right. There's literally pictures that show that using the band makes a difference on the muscles. This is something that I've been using in clinical practice for quite some time, and I highly recommend it. Now, I don't just recommend it. I'm actually very excited to announce that the company that I'm partnered with, uh, Tire Physical Therapy and Performance, based out of Millsboro, Delaware, uh, Berlin, Maryland, and Fruitland, Maryland, right near Salisbury, is actually partnering with CTM Band. And we are going to be the first ever retail provider of the CTM Band products, period. Uh, so if you're interested in coming into the clinic, giving these products a try, or ordering a set of bands for you, your team, or whatever, please feel free to reach out because we are super excited to incorporate these into our daily practice and use them to help more people. I highly recommend the product, and I don't just say that. I've actually owned one and used one for about four years now. So I know you're going to love this episode as we dive into a bit of nerdy science and a bit of application for the CTM band. Kyle, welcome back to the podcast. I think it's been almost two years since we last talked. It's uh, exciting to catch up with you today. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me. It's I've, I've lost all concept of time with COVID, <laughs> so I, you could have convinced me it was seven years ago, I think. Yeah, <laughs> As no, I, too. <laughs> I can relate with you there. Uh, for people who haven't, you know, seen those podcast episodes we did previously, or maybe they haven't heard of CTM band before, would you mind kind of filling them in a little bit about, you know, your company, who you are and what all you do? Yeah, so um, by trade, I'm a sports chiropractor, and I'm based in Louisville, Kentucky, and I, I own and operate Kentucky Sports Clinic. And I created the CTM band. It's, it's, it's basically a, a functional myofascial release uh, tool that you would use in the same way you would with like a foam roller, stick roller, a massage gun, any of the things we, we use uh, in that realm for, for recovery. Um, and it, it kind of came from the combination of listening to what my patients were telling me that, that were, you know, for instance, if someone was coming in and they were having some calf pain and they mentioned they were foam rolling, but couldn't quite get to the the spot that, that felt like was tight and not, not working the way it should. Um, kind of combining that with my own background as a, as a competitive distance runner and a former division one athlete. Um, so I kind of uh, pieced the two things together and started developing this tool. Yeah, that's awesome. And I would say that it's been wildly successful because I feel like I'm always seeing something on social media of, you know, this person's using it now, this person's using it now. Um, I've used it with patients in the clinic. I definitely bias it a little bit more towards the endurance population because I know that's your background yourself. Um, but I've used it with a variety of other patients as well. Um, even pickleball players, I've had to learn yeah. what pickleball is. Oh, um, yeah. they, they love it. So it's, uh, it's certainly a really cool tool. And I think it really does a great job of solving one of the pitfalls of manual therapy or any kind of hands-on technique. And that's the passive element to it. With the CTM band, you're able to address that by using a more dynamic, active approach um, to your you know, rehab or 
injury prevention or mobility work or whatever you're addressing. Uh, and I think that the more active you can make things, the better your result is going to be at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a, a big part of what we're going for with um, with with the band is making it a, a truly functional type of myofascial release device. Um, you know, if it's a, a runner who's having, um, uh, you know, a mobility issue with ankle dorsiflexion coming from, you know, the soleus or calf, you can put the band on and start retraining uh, ankle dorsiflexion, as opposed to if you're trying to use a foam roller or a massage gun, we are just kind of digging in or are gliding over the, the surface of the skin, which still, you know, there, there's still some value to it, but it's not going to really restore the, the sliding surface mechanism that the, that the tissue needs. Kind of the same thing with, you know, say it's a pickleball player or, or tennis player, if they're dealing with some, um, you know, lateral epicondylitis or, or something similar when they're going through a swing, you can really help retrain um, that movement if it's coming from a, a mobility issue in that area. Yeah, definitely. I love it. Um, now, you mentioned it's called the CTM band, uh, the compression, tension, movement band. And then you just mentioned about the sliding mechanism. So is there something about the combination of compression while tensing and actively moving that helps to restore the sliding mechanism for optimal muscular movement during a motion? Or kind of walk me through some of the theory here a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So that goes back to, to what kind of got the you know, the, the hamster in my head running on the wheel was, um, you know, for instance, a, a, a patient told me they couldn't get their calf feeling better. Um, so that, that kind of led me down the, the rabbit hole of, of reading about studies that have been done on, you know, whether foam rolling or, or something similar really does cause, uh, you know, a, a measurable and, and functional change in, in the tissue. And so, you know, what I could find um, on, you know, PubMed diving into it was that, the studies that, that were successful with using a myofascial release device was that you had to um, really pair three things simultaneously, which was um, the ability of a tool to compress tissue, dig in and kind of grab that tissue, and then cause a shearing between the layers of tissue using movement. And, um, you know, there's been a couple studies that have, that have been done that show that sliding surface mechanism the two I always talk about was um, uh, one was uh, Guillaume Berteau did a, a study showing, I think it was in the hand, he's a hand surgeon, that there's a, a, you know, a sliding surface mechanism between um, the, the layers of tissue that control the, the function of the hand. Um, and the, the one that I think is maybe a little bit more valuable was um, uh, Sarah Condino did a study on uh, Achilles tendinopathy that showed as an Achilles was getting close to uh, tearing or rupturing, there was a decrease in the sliding surface mechanism that was uh, observed uh, via uh, musculoskeletal ultrasound. And that's one that I think really holds some clinical value because you think about, um, you know, someone who's, who's dealing with chronic Achilles tendinopathy or, or Achilles pain that, you know, they, they continue to train through and eventually it tears. If there's a way to uh, really monitor that and measure it, that's going to be really, really valuable from a clinical standpoint. So um, what the band does is, is um, really combines those three things into one and, and attempts to restore those, those mechanisms. And there's not really anything else that comes to mind for me anyways, that hits all three of those the way the band would. I mean, I can think of things that could compress tissue and I can think yeah. of things that can add tension to a tissue 
but I can't think of a whole lot that do both of them while allowing for free movement as you normally would through even functional positions like a lunge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that's kind of goes back to when I was, when I was designing it and, and trying out different uh, prototypes was, you know, I, I have a, a giant toolbox of things I use for myself <laughs> as a, as a runner to try to prevent injuries and obviously, you know, stuff I use with patients. But when you kind of go through the list, you know, a, a, a typical floss band is really cool. That's going to compress and move tissue, but it doesn't have the ability to, to dig in and grab and cause that shearing effect. Um, a foam roller is going to um, compress the tissue some and dig into it, but you can't really get into a functional movement pattern with it. Um, so it's, I think it's possible, but it's just very difficult. So the, the goal was to create uh, a, a very inexpensive, simple way to do that. And that's kind of where the, the band comes from, especially when you look at, you know, some of these massage guns are on sale for $500 <laughs> and, you're like, and, and uh, not to, not to knock them, but to, to truly do what these studies are saying, it'd be very difficult to do with a, with a massage gun. Well, once again, uh, the massage gun is very passive in nature. And in general, I try to uh, limit the amount of passive time I spend treating a patient. I think in general, the more active you can make a session, the better they're going to get. Um, now, obviously, yeah. there's a limit to that, like if someone's post-op or whatever. Um, but just in general, your, you know, your normal knee pain, ankle pain, hip pain, that kind of stuff, I think activity is uh, definitely essential. Uh, now, you mentioned yeah. a few times that you have a background in running. You've kind of developed this uh, for the runner originally. And one of the first things that's come to mind for me with runners uh, and where I've used it myself, actually, on some of my patients is that plantar fasciitis type thing. And I'm talking a true plantar fasciitis type presentation. So for those listening, maybe they have plantar fascia. Um, well, let me rephrase that. I hope they have plantar fascia. Um, yeah, they're having some plantar fascia type irritation and symptoms. Uh, how would they go about modifying the band, using the band to address that? And what kind of exercise or movement type things should they be doing with the band? The the band it's uh, it, it comes with, with basically four uh, holes on the end of it that that has the ability to attach um, four knobs that that can you know uh, create that that shearing tension we're talking about. So. For a smaller muscle group like plantar fascia, you typically would use one knob and really position it into that that attachment point where the the tissue becomes thickened and irritated. You know, right right below the calcaneus there. Um, and then you know the plantar fascia is a big one because some of the newer studies on on chronic plantar fasciitis are actually showing that it's more of a, a fasciosis where it's not inflamed tissue. It's actually uh, it starts to degenerate and become brittle and, and lose oxygen and blood flow. So after a, a, a plantar fasciitis moves from its acute phase into its chronic, um, something like the CTM band or, or something similar that's going to dig in there and really beat the tissue up and um, cause that, that change of the thickened tissue to, to stimulate blood flow and oxygen, um, I've, I've had a lot of luck with. But on the, um, on the flip side, if you took the band and dug it into a fresh plantar fasciitis uh, that's acute and, and truly is inflamed and irritated, it's, it, it's not going to work well. So I think it, a lot of it depends on the, the correct diagnosis and, and identifying what, what phase it's in. 
you know, that, um, that goes into the whole, you know, argument of like tissue healing times and repair process. Um, because I would say I haven't used it on the chronic ones, but I wouldn't say they were acute either. It's kind of in that subacute phase, you know, people mm-hmm. who had symptoms for a couple months and they want to get it addressed. Um, so I would say that might even be that I don't have any research to, uh, you know, reference on that, but I would say that'd probably be an area where it could shine as well. Um, now, when you put the band around the foot and it's digging in there, is there any specific movement or stretch or anything like that that you're looking for to the plantar fascia, or is it just kind of like put it on and move around as you normally would? You you definitely would want to go through a progression that that moves from um, passive to active. So, like, say it's it's day one where you're not going to have a lot of tissue tolerance. It might be a little bit more um, sensitive to the touch, you might just put the band on and do some ankle circles or or write the ABCs or just kind of go through plantar flexion, dorsiflexion, just to kind of, um, get the tissue moving. But then, you know, what people will notice is the more they use it, the more tissue tolerance they'll develop to where what hurt really bad on day one, then doesn't hurt at all on, you know, day five or six. So that's where you get up and, um, you know, go through some heel walks, toe walks, um, uh, you know, you can even work into like a, uh, you know, a, a wall assisted uh, calf stretch or, or eccentric heel drops. So you're, you're really building the, um, the, the tissue tolerance and, and pushing it a little bit more as the days go on. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that a lot. And um, it's funny you mentioned that because when I was in college and I had first gotten your band, that was actually my go to like leg day, like, you know, pre workout mobility type thing. And so I was I would take your band and I'd put it around. Um, I actually went with the calf. Um, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, and I did heel toe walks just up and down like three times each. Um, mm-hmm. and I loved it. Um, it was incredible how effective that was. And it was kind of simple, honestly. It was like, okay, wrap the band, do this, good to go. Um, yeah. So kind of working our way up to the calf there, has there been any specific diagnosis at the calf? Do you kind of use it more for like a tendonitis type thing or a shin splint type thing? Or what do you tend to look at in the lower leg with the CTM band? Where would you kind of see that uh, applying? Well, yeah. And I mean, one one thing I just remembered about plantar fascia is I've, I've used it a lot in place of, uh, uh, you know, trying to do like ART type movements. Mm-hmm. Um, and from a clinical standpoint, and that's, there's been a lot of practitioners, uh, start using it in the last year or two, um, just to kind of, uh, help facilitate their manual therapy and save their hands a little bit. And that's like one that. where you can, you can really, uh, you know, position one of the knobs based on patient feedback, like where you can say, all right, where this knob is digging in, is that where you feel symptoms? And they can say, yeah, or no, move it to the right or left a little bit. And then you can kind of use it, uh, you know, taking the toes through flexion extension while you're uh, pressing into the band with, uh, um, with it digging, in. you know, some of those spots that can wear your hands pretty, uh, wear your hands down pretty fast, especially if you're trying to see, a um, you know, a, a lot of people in a short amount of time. Um, so it can really serve as a, as a way to save your hands and, and combine a couple different, uh, manual therapies into one as far as stretching or, or doing a pin and stretch or active massage. Um, so I, I use it with, uh, I'm a, a team chiropractor for the, the University of Kentucky track team. And so, I mean, we have like 90 kids on the team. So, you know, on a, if, if I'm going in and working on uh, athletes one day, I might see 20 or 30 people. So you need to um, really keep your body fresh <laughs> as, uh, as best you can. So you're an entrepreneur with your own clinic. 
you started the CTM band company and you're doing stuff for University of Kentucky. When do you sleep, Kyle? My goodness. The three kids is, are actually what uh, probably wears me down the most. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you know, I had to reschedule this podcast. That's uh, the other stuff's piece of cake compared to the kid, the kid thing. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Um, now, where would you kind of look to choose um, the CTM band over something like a uh, over something like a uh, manipulation, like especially like the calipheral joint or subtalar joint or one of those other foot ankle joint type areas? There, when would you pick CTM over like something more joint targeted? Um, really depends on on the the, the presentation of it. The um, you know if you can rule out. The, you know, a, a tear or a, a stress fracture, fracture, and and you're just looking for you know a modality to keep them moving. Um, it's definitely in that in that uh, arsenal of things to try to see how they respond to it. So yeah, um, use taking that band and kind of working our way up to the ankle joint. Now, um, is there anything specific that would jump out to you as like, hey, I'll use the CTM band here for ankle, lower leg type stuff? Like, do you look more? tendonitis do you look more medial tibial stress syndrome um and what kind of stuff would you use the band um with as far as like exercises for those things go yeah so that's it that's a great question i mean for, for instance let's let's say we're you know someone's having a some posterior tib pain whether it's uh you know a little bit further up where you get a shin splint or down you know along the 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 outside of the the um uh, the, the ankle there. So I think it starts with the, the clinician um, really doing an accurate uh, assessment because I mean, sometimes you could get a, a posterior tip that's acting up from plantar fascia being tight or a, you know, a, a soleus that's, that's, that's tight pulling on the posterior tip. Um, that those would be prime time examples to use the, the CTM band because it is used for, you know, to help with more of a, a mobility issue. But um, if the, uh, if the posterior tib pain is coming from a, an ankle that's, uh, you know, pronating or, or if uh, the foot intrinsic muscles are unstable or if it's further up in the kinetic chain where, you know, VMO or glute isn't firing, the, you know, you could do something for mobility like CTM band or stretching or digging with a foam roller or whatever, but it's not truly going to fix that, that underlying cause. So uh, that's a long-winded answer to your question, but it's I, the, the key is is uh, the assessment first and then differentiating, all right, does this have more of a, a mobility correction uh, versus a stability correction, or is it a little bit of both? Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, the right way to approach it is at the end of the day, you really need to know what you're treating. And that's why I think it's essential that a product like this kind of finds its way into the clinician's hands where they can... Yeah accurately assess and um, then determine, you know, how they're best going to incorporate it there. Um, say you get someone though, with that kind of fibularis tendonitis type presentation. Um, I had a patient not too long ago who came in with that as a script. And, you know, after I assessed, I actually agreed with it, which doesn't always happen, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I ended up uh, leveraging a lot of CTM band type stuff with him uh, to help address that. So I'm curious, from your standpoint, if you get someone with that fibularis uh, diagnosis, what kind of stuff are you looking at there with the CTM band? That that would be kind of like uh, the 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 same type of deal with the plantar fascia where, you know, it's a, um, uh, a very sensitive area. So you want to start very, very light, um, maybe with just some. Uh, the easy range of motion uh, 
plantar flexion, dorsiflexion type movements with the band on, but then work into where, you know, they're doing uh, heel raises off the ground, toe walks, heel walks, um, or if it's one of those deals where, you know, they have a, the, the result of the, the pain is decreased ankle dorsiflexion going through some, um, some range of motion exercises to, to help improve that. Yeah, definitely. And um, I would say too, I kind of like the combination of having the um, CTM band over top of um, the muscle bellies in this case. I know it's a tendonitis type thing, but I actually started to work up above the chain. Um, he, he had a gnarly trigger point actually just distal to his fibular head. Um, and we were actually crushing a lot of ankle strengthening with the band on. Now, I know that the band itself is going to be more of a mobility type tool, I'll say. But what is mobility without stability? And if I can get, you know, an active release on a trigger point specifically while strengthening the muscle at the same time, it actually was quite effective. Um, and again, I don't really have a whole lot of, you know, research or, a, you know, overwhelming amount of studies to go on for that. But in this specific case, it worked really well for him. Yeah. And that, and that's where I've kind of integrated uh, uh, musculoskeletal ultrasound quite a bit as you can, you can really see the, the how the sliding surface mechanism works. And so, yeah, there, you might have pain um, down around the malleolus but you see the the movement restriction further up uh the into the muscle belly to your point I, that's something i'll definitely have to look into at some point uh msk ultrasound i like it so we've talked about the tendonitis type presentation we've talked about the plantar fascia type presentation there um i know a lot of the runners especially will talk about like that medial tibial stress syndrome type thing or you know a lot of them will just refer to it as like a shin splint um is it a similar type approach there with the CTM band, just kind of finding finding your main limitation and using that to address it? Or is there other uses for uh, the band in relation to something like a overuse repetitive stress type injury? Yeah, I mean, the, there's definitely there's definitely use to it, especially with, um, you know, the, once uh, once that tendonitis or, or tendinopathy or tendinosis becomes uh, chronic, we're wanting to increase blood flow as much as possible. So that, you know, the ischemic response to having a, a, a band wrapped around there, literally, you know, uh, limiting blood flow for three to five minutes, that ischemic response can really trigger, a, you know, fresh load of blood and oxygenated blood to, to get to the area. So it, it, it'll assist with, you know, warming it up. Say it's a, uh, uh, medial tibial stress syndrome that you're training through, but you're just closely monitoring and managing and not letting it get to the, the level of a tear or, or stress reaction, you know, using something like, like the band or, uh, you know, a, a similar, uh, tool for warm up can really jumpstart the process to get it where it needs to be to, to get through the workout or the, or the run. You know, that just dives in further to kind of the physiological mechanism of what we do. You know, I think a lot of times people think of something like, you know, soft tissue release or trigger point release as more of like a biomechanical type construct. When in reality, as you just outlined, it can also have physiological effects that benefit injuries and improve tissue quality overall. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And after the... Um, Angle, kind of the next thing as we work our way up the chain that comes to mind for me that I've used the band for is kind of that quad hamstring type area there. Um, so when you're kind of thinking quad hamstring and application of the CTM band, Kyle, where does your head go 
um, you know, do you think of a certain diagnosis or a certain presentation or where do you typically use the CTM band with like quad hamstring type stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, on the, the anterior surface, um, a lot of patellofemoral syndrome, a lot of runner's knee, patellar tendonitis, uh, IT band alongside, you know, the, the stability work that's typically required to get an IT band better. Um, but it's another one of those busy junctions of, uh, of tissue that can very easily get junked up and, and, um, and, and lose that, that sliding surface mechanism. So above the kneecap, below the kneecap, uh, it, it typically works pretty well. And then on the back too, in the, in the hamstring, um, you know, this, uh, had a runner, a, a hurdler last week where, you know, the, the pain was more at the attachment of the semi-tendinosis on the back of the knee, but with palpation and assessment, it showed that there was some restriction, uh, you know, uh, much further up into the, the muscle, muscle belly and, and proximal end of it to where, you know, that that's where the work needed to be done to ease up the, the tension behind the knee. You know, again, going back to the importance of assessment, you mentioned about using the band distal to the kneecap for the um, knee type, the tendonitis type presentation there. How would you go about putting the band right over, I'm assuming, the patellar tendon? Yeah, so that's one where um, I, I've, I've a bunch of videos and pictures of it too, but you typically would want to do like one or two knobs above the kneecap, get it real, real tight. Um, and then just have the band part be below the kneecap. So you kind of, uh, you start above the kneecap, do a, 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 a round or two above, and then uh, leave some space for the actual kneecap, but then wrap it real, real tight underneath, kind of kind of the same way you'd have a patellar strap on there with, uh, with typical patellar tendonitis. And then that's one where you'd go through some lunges, uh, quad stretches, just to um, get that kneecap going. Because especially if it's a runner's knee or a chondromalacia where the, the kneecap is, is it, uh, isn't tracking or, or, or gliding the way it should, um, the kneecap along with you know, the, the necessary stability training, if there is a tracking issue, can, can really uh, uh, help warm it up. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And um, I, I guess I would say too, um, would you say that you have more, just based on your experience, do you have more benefit going distal to it? Or would you say that proximal tends to work better, kind of hitting more of like a quad and kind of decreasing the quad pull or the quad quadriceps tightness, I'll say on the kneecap? Yeah, I, I think it depends. Like if it's, uh, if it's patellofemoral primarily, uh, patellofemoral syndrome, you definitely operate more proximal. But if it is that, uh, that uh, patellar tonitis where you're feeling it going up and down stairs, running downhill, that kind of thing, that's where you, you really do both of them proximal and distal above and below the, the kneecap. I even like, as you were talking about the hamstrings there, you mentioned about how you kind of assessed, you know, the pain source was uh, distal, but you assessed more proximally and found that working proximally gave you benefit to the distal uh, area where the pain was. And that's why I bring up about the quad for the um, patellar tendon is sometimes the pain location is not necessarily the pain source i'll say yeah yeah i mean that 100 especially for an athlete going through a repetitive motion it's the you know you you note and fix where the the pain is of course but then instantly looking above and below and, and trying to figure out all right where this come from right and you were saying about the use of something like the lunge progression um as kind of your go-to for the ctm band when we're working with quad and hamstring is that correct 
Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, again, going through the progression and seeing what, what they can tolerate, you know, you might be a, a completely passive thing to start if you're a clinician putting it on, um, you know, someone trying to get them warmed up and ready for competition. Um, but if it's, if, if they're using it more as like a, a self-treatment tool, uh, they might go through more of that progression where they're going through some squats, lunges, um, that kind of deal, jumping and anything is, is you want to get as, as functional, uh, as you can, as far as replicating the movement that we're trying to get better at. Now, can you use this, uh, the band for your hip or how would that work for like kind of hip muscle type area? I don't, I don't think I've ever used it personally for like any kind of like hip or gluteal type stuff. Um, have you ever used it for any of those sort of things? I haven't, you know, the, the limitation for it, uh, it is, uh, is definitely that it's used more for extremities. I've had people tell me that they use it on their, their glutes. Um, <laughs> but I don't know how you could get it tied enough. That that's where I would, uh, you know, go back to probably the foam roller. Cause that's one where you can, that's an area where you really can, you know, put your entire body weight into the roller. And for the most part, move the hip through the rotation that you need, whether it's a external or internal rotator. Or, or something along those lines. I think it's important to kind of remind people like this is supposed to be a tight compressive type feeling like this is not going to feel the most comfortable, I would say. Um, it, it's not necessarily the worst thing I've ever felt, but it's not necessarily the, you know, feel good 20 minutes on the hot pack kind of treatment we're talking about here by any means. Yeah, and that, that kind of goes back to, it, you know, the, the studies that have been done on, on myofascial release or, or similar show that you have to have, you know, at least two or three minutes of deep sustained pressure before tissue starts to release. So um, you, you, you want it to hurt. <laughs> but that's, that's why I go back and forth between like having it listed and selling on Amazon because I'm worried about the amount of people that'll buy it uh, and, uh, <laughs> and put it on and say, oh, this is, this is awful. This hurts. But it, it might be more of a, a niche type thing for people who uh, athletes and both clinicians who understand that, that you want to be you want to make it hurt if you're trying to cause a, a positive change in the, in the tissue for the most part. Yeah, definitely. Well, not only that, but just changing our conversation around pain. You know, I think that if people come in with, say, like a. Uh, we'll just go with an easy example here, like a subacromial impingement. They typically complain of that sharp, pinchy type pain in the anterior aspect of the shoulder. Um, mm -hmm. Well, if they come in, you know, three weeks later and they're saying that they're, you know, it's a soreness type pain or a DOMS type pain, um, then to me, that's a lot better than the sharp, stabby initial type pain that brought them in. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with someone coming in and saying, I don't feel a hundred percent, but I don't have the same pain that caused me to first come and see you. Um, you know, I think that in general, we need to kind of find a way to change our conversation around pain. That's my quick sidebar. Oh yeah. hundred percent. That's that. I, I give high fives when, <laughs> when we get to that point. That's great. <laughs> Especially for something like, like uh, that anterior shoulder pain that gets so nasty. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, now, speaking of shoulder and just upper extremity in general, I know you've had a lot of success using the CTM for like a CTM band for like a lateral epicondylitis, lateral epicondyl epicondylgia, can't talk all of a sudden, um, <laughs> type presentation. Uh, now, for me, I'm not someone who treats a whole lot of, say, sh um, I'll say elbow, wrist, hand type stuff. 
Um, so how would you go about using the CTM band for like a lateral epicondylitis and what kind of movements would you look to incorporate there? Uh, yeah, so that's one where um, you, you want to get as functional as possible. So um, actually today in my office I had someone um, with lateral epicondylitis and uh, and we she was having a little bit of the sharp pain with uh, with any type of, uh, you know, loaded uh, wrist extension. And so we, we imaged it first with ultrasound to make sure there's no tears. And there wasn't any tearing, but it looked like there was a little bit of entrapment going on where the you know, some of the connective tissue between the, the, uh, the extensors of the wrist that it showed up on imaging as being almost like thickened or densified. It had more of like a, a, a whitish type of appearance compared to normal healthy tissue. And so that to me was a green light to, uh, start digging in. So we did, uh, the, um, you know, the band using one knob, uh, since it was uh, me applying it, we made sure that it, it was, you know, in the right spot and with her feedback and then just took it through uh, uh, as much range of motion as possible and then combined that with, uh, you know, some, some grass and A-stem. Um, we've done needling before and she didn't respond real well to that. So focused more on the, on the grass and, and uh, CTM band today and, and um, you know, ended up making it a whole lot better. Awesome. Awesome. I'm sure it wasn't pleasant in the process, but it had a good result. Now you mentioned there as well about, you know, making sure it's on the right spot. And as you mentioned before, that's just finding, you know, the spot of the most tissue limitation. Um, but in this case with the, you know, long-term changes as a result of the condition that you found on musculoskeletal ultrasound, you're looking more at the area that showed up on imaging as being abnormal not necessarily the area that you palpated. Is that correct? Yeah, you could, you, I couldn't really tell a change for palpation, but, um, you know, the, the, the musculoskeletal ultrasound isn't, isn't an end all be all like with this one today, but, but it is an important tool. Like today it was, um, you know, looking to see what looked abnormal combined with also feedback, like, all right, where the probe is right now, this is where you feel your pain. And, um, you know, she said yes. And that's exactly where the spot was that looked like it was, uh, entrapped. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a combination of a few things. Outside of the, um, tennis elbow, lateral epicondylitis type presentation there. So anything else you use it for up in the elbow or wrist or just arm in general? Yeah. I mean, obviously for, for lateral epicondylitis, you use it for medial epicondylitis. Um, sometimes, uh, uh, carpal tunnel type symptoms that, that is still treatable down closer to the wrist. Um, you know, being in, in Kentucky, I, I treat a lot of jockeys and so they'll have a lot of like wrist and hand pain. Um, so we'll, we'll use it for that just to kind of open up the, the, the structures of the wrist a little bit more. Um, and, and that kind of deal. How do you go about using it for the wrist and hand there? I, that that's beyond me here. Well, so that would be one where, you know, say that, you know, they have a, uh, more of like a, a carpal tunnel type issue because they, they have their wrist inflection a lot. So with palpation, you, if there is any um, spots that feel densified or, or uh, kind of locked up, you can use, um, you can either use one knob of the band to dig into a spot if there is a, a piece of the muscle that's, that's, uh, that's locked up, or that's where you could probably use it as a um, uh, just as like a, a straightforward uh, uh, floss band where you take all the knobs off and just use it as like a compression tool to, um, um, to, to wrap real tight around the wrist. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. That's interesting there. Um, I don't see a whole lot of wrist in hand, unlike you, um, but it's definitely good to have tools in your toolbox to handle that and manage that um, as a clinician, because when you do see them, you have to be ready to do something. You know, you don't want to be turning patients away because you don't know. I, I personally feel like I don't know is never an acceptable answer. Um, yeah. Now, taking that a step further, people might not always seek a clinician for use of the CTM band. They might try and kind of treat themselves, which, you know, I think is a growing, I'll say a growing subfield of medicine right now is people having the ability to diagnose and manage their own types of symptoms. Um, so all of these things we've talked about today, have kind of been in relation to a clinician assessing, is there any insight or feedback that you would give the people who want to use the CTM band to kind of treat themselves, I'll say. Yeah. And I mean, as you know, that's a, it's risky to <laughs> the self treatment thing. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough because there's, there's such a gamut of things someone might be, might be dealing with. Um, you know, it honestly, you, you, I mean, the correct answer is to have it evaluated, right? for, for someone that you, by someone that you trust and, you know, can take care of it. But if it's, um, you know, if, if it's obviously not something that, that needs medical attention, say it's some, some straightforward calf tightness or ankle tightness while you're running, um, you know, the, the, the band is, should be in that category of things that people are trying to, as a self-treatment, um, you know, if, if they're not ready to go get the advice of a, of a professional yet. Or, or even like a DOMS type presentation, right? Like if someone's just got general soreness and achiness, I would imagine that using this could kind of help um, with the compressive side of it to increase uh, circulation, kind of like you were talking about before with the uh, uh, the medial tibial stress syndrome. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's the, you know, they're, they're, this one I think does, there's a little bit more of a learning curve with the band because you are, you are purposefully making it hurt. You're, you're literally wrapping the band so tight that it's going to, um, it, for the greater good, limit circulation for a, a couple minutes at a time. So that's why, you know, I, I try to um, be available at, at any time if someone has specific questions about how to use it. And I've, um, you know, made a bunch of videos and, uh, you know, have PDF uh, instruction manuals for how to use it. Um, just so people have as, as much information in front of them as, as possible. Well, you even have a full kind of course for the band now too, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did a, an online certification course that, um, that, that uh, clinicians have used uh, where I just kind of outline, you know, what, what the band is, how it works, what the research is behind it, how to integrate it into either your, your clinic or, or at home or, or gym or, or wherever. Um, and, and again, just as a, as a means to give people as much information as possible and, and how to use, how to use the, the band to its full, uh, full capabilities. Right. And is there anyone that, you know, shouldn't be looking into that course? Like could a chiropractor take it, athletic trainer, PT, uh, massage therapist, or personal trainer? Like, is that course for everyone or? Yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it's really for everyone you just outlined. It's, it, it's for the medical provider. It could be a coach, athletic trainer, personal trainer, chiropractor, PT, massage therapist, anyone who's going to be, you know, using the, the band for their clientele. Awesome. Awesome. We will 
definitely link to that below in the description so you can check that out there. Uh, Kyle, as we start to wrap up here, we've kind of touched on applying the CTM band for plantar fascia. We've touched on the ankle, the quad, the hamstring, and even the elbow and wrist. Is there any areas that we missed or anything that you feel like we didn't address in relation to uh, applying and using the CTM band? Yeah, did um, did my part about the calf get cut off with the, the sound uh, using the pre and post? Yeah, I would definitely say we should um, hit that again real quick. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So after the, the plantar fascia, the um, we're talking about how to use the the band on the calf, and that's where I've really integrated the musculoskeletal ultrasound to observe, uh, the, you know, the the before and after effects. And that's where you know I'd love to at some point um, uh, launch some studies on on how to measure that tissue, uh, the the tissue glide because there there really have been some cool changes that where you know, but before we even touch the tissue, uh, say it's like the, you know, the, the lateral head, the gastroc where the, it meets the soleus. And that's where, you know, a lot of the, a, a neutral gated runner walker athlete will have, um, will have tightness and have trouble treating with some of the, the stretching and foam rolling, et cetera. Um, so we've, we've, uh, we've been able to, to look at the tissue pre-treatment, see the, the restriction in the glide, and then apply the, um, the, the band and do both passive and active range of motion exercises and then observe the tissue afterwards via uh, imaging and the ultrasound. And it shows um, uh, distinct changes in how well the, the tissue is gliding. And that kind of goes back to the study we were, uh, I was mentioned before that, that showed, you know, as, as an Achilles gets closer to tearing, a lot of times you can observe the, the decrease in sliding surface mechanism. So, um, you know, that to, to me as a clinician, that's big to be able to prevent those types of major injuries if we can monitor and see positive results with, uh, with imaging. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the benefit to that is having all that information real time, right? You get a real time mm -hmm. image, you get a real time result from your treatment and you, you're not guessing, is it going to work? you literally know in the moment, hey, this is doing something. So I love that approach. And uh, I love how, you know, just simple use of the band is having such positive effects. Um, because as you said, you know, we want to prevent as many injuries as we can. And while we never, I'll say we never 100% get to the true root cause of an issue every time, uh, we can certainly do things to identify abnormalities and address as many of them as we can. And mm -hmm. having the ability to do that quickly and pretty much wherever you want to be, you know, conveniently uh, through something like a CTM band is certainly a powerful tool in the toolbox to have. Um, Kyle, for people who want to check out uh, the band or check out your uh, clinic in Kentucky or just kind of learn more about you, where can people find you at? Yeah, so the, the band um, is, uh, the, the website is just ctm.band, and so that has information on if you want to order it or read more about it, and, and you can reach out to me anytime. Uh, my email address is kyle at ctm.band, and then for my clinic, uh, again, it's called Kentucky Sports Clinic, and I'm in, uh, in, in Louisville, Kentucky, so um, the, anytime I can help with anything or if anyone has any questions that I can answer, definitely feel free to reach out. Awesome. Yeah, we will link to all of that in this description below. So you can just quick uh, click there and um, access all of that. Kyle, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for your time, man. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. 
If you've liked this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend, subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, and leave a review. This way we can spread knowledge and motivation and help reach more people. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.